Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at Skinny Water Culture, Florida Fishing Products, Turtle Box Audio, Costa Sunglasses, and Orvis Fly Fishing. A few years back, a friend of mine, Vince Segura from Skinny Water Culture, introduced me to an up-and-coming guide along the nature coast who had blown him away with his passion and knowledge of the water. At the time, Trey Michael was one of the youngest guests I had sat down with on the show, and after a day on the water and recording with him, I knew that our paths would have plenty of future crossings. In this series, I'm calling Round 2. I'm sitting down with a top 10 guest to dive even deeper into their lives, lessons, and love for the water. In this podcast, Trey shares what he's picked up since our last recording, the importance he is finding in slowing down, and his approach to keeping his family connected to the outdoors. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. This is The Captain's Collective, Round 2. All right, Trey, thanks for letting me swing by. Um, You got some weather coming in, so you had a cancellation, opened up the day. I was coming back from the Skinny Water Culture Christmas party, and it lined up, man, and so grateful to be here. Beautiful part of Florida, just sitting on this porch and looking out over this oak hammock with all these palmettos, so peaceful, and like I said, got some weather coming in, so we'll see how that goes, but uh, man, just so grateful. How's everything been? Man, it's been great. Uh, Start by saying thank you for letting me come on again. was a good thing for me last time and uh weather has been weather i fight it every day (laughs) every single day um it's been a a big deal getting my new place it's been a humbling experience for me to take on more uh challenging to say the least but we're pulling through and um it's been a great thing for me and my family for sure well one of the things that i really enjoy about spending time with younger guides who are at the beginning of building their business. And I'm sure you feel this way. Cause I feel this way with my family. I feel like building my life. You know, when you buy your first house, yep. you, you spend all the money to get the down payment and then yep. now you got to cut the grass yep. and then you got to, you know, weedy, you gotta, you gotta, yep. and you're, so you're accumulating. Yep. And so when or I sp- fix all the other things that break <laughs> along the way, <laughs> the electrical outlets. Exactly. And, and when I spend time with older guides, I, I really am drawn to like, I can feel that they've been spending 30, 40 years dialing their whole life in, yep. you know? And so for me, it's always really fun spending time around people in all different stages. Right. And it's cool just to even, I don't know, when was I here last? A year? Uh, I think it was, uh, a year no, and it's, and a half? it's been over a year. I think it was 2021. Yeah. Somewhere around there. It was kind of COVID-y. Yeah, for sure. Not here, but Not in here, general. Yeah. 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 And, you know, you've come a long way even then. I, you know, I keep up with you and have been able to watch your business grow, watch your family grow. And, uh, man, it's been so cool to, to see. For you, when you think back to us sitting down in the other house, um, and we'll talk about that, um, and just what you've learned and what areas you've grown, what comes to mind? Man, um, every year that passes, I look back at kind of a reflection of myself and how I was working and how I was thinking about things, uh, as far as my work goes on the water and I'm like, man, I, I just did not know nothing that mm-hmm. I know now. I mean, I feel like I'm a year ahead every time, uh, the knowledge, it grows and grows and grows. The more days you put out there, um, I feel like that I've fished with some guys that have really kind of, uh, guys that have been doing this in the style that I'm doing it for a lot longer than I've been doing it. Mm-hmm. And they, they have had to adapt and change with it because it's always changing along the way. And just the reassurance from them that I was kind of on the right track and I was doing the right things. And, um, you know, that alone kind of gives you the feeling that, you know, that you can go do it another year and another year and another year, Mm -hmm. because it's hard. It's for anybody who guides for a living full-time for real guiding for a living. Um, you know, it's not, something that uh comes easy it's dealing with the weather dealing with endless variables of things that can go wrong um you know then you got to counterbalance your family in the middle of it and i've had to kind of realize that uh, as my little girl just turned two on the 29th this past month and um man it's a big deal it's my lifestyle is a lot different now and it was different the last time i saw you but it's even more so different now Mm. when you add a separate little human into the world Mm. it's a big deal and it's changed my work. It's changed where um, I used to want to fish till just black dark. And now I um, I don't cut anybody short by any means. But, you know, by 4 or 5 o'clock, I'm ready to go in and see my kid. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I used to not be on me, but it's not a bad thing. I think there's a, a lot of uh, room for me to keep growing uh, in my fishing, but I have to keep maintaining my home life, you mm-hmm. know, and I feel like that that's the most important thing that I've learned from other guides who have experienced a downfall in, 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 in their family, basically, from yeah. from not doing that, you know. And, uh, nobody was here showing me the way before, and meeting with those guys and having those guides that, you know, have done it like that and kind of can lead me in a way it's been a big deal for me mm-hmm. you know it's been a big advantage to say the least zero me in on so and we'll talk we'll kind of dissect this and slow down but i know you fished since we last interviewed with a couple guys that i've i've spent some time around and interviewed carter andrews harry spear david mangum um and so you've had the opportunity to be around some guys that have been around for a while and when you're on the boat with them and you're watching them, you're talking to them and you're hearing about their life, their careers, people like that. What are some things that really stick out to you that really get your wheels turning? Um, more of their approach to, uh, to gaining a, a higher clientele. And I don't mean that in any kind of way about somebody's fishing level. I mean like the guys who are going to be here again next month or the guys who are going to book two weeks at a time, or uh, the guys who are better, you know, mm-hmm. that I try to fish with the best fishermen possible. I think that that's every guy's, you know, goal is to fish with the best ones possible. But, mm-hmm. you know, that you want the most experienced fishermen. Good fishermen make good days, and good fishermen are going to catch more fish in worse conditions. Um, I have backpedaled a little bit on my idea of how I used to think when I was younger that I only had to fish with the best. And um, it used to bother me a lot whenever I would go – out with somebody that just didn't know anything about fly fishing Mm -hmm. or like that, or they were very little experience and then we didn't catch them, you know, but now it doesn't bother me as much. And Harry told me that it would get like that at some Mm -hmm. time. He said, eventually he said, you'll grow out of that. And he said, you won't worry about it so much anymore. And he said, whenever fish come by you, you know, if they see them, they see them. He said, but don't get aggravated if they don't see them. And it used to just really, I mean, it wasn't that I was mad at somebody. It was just that I wanted to catch them so mm-hmm. bad, you know, and I still want to catch them. But I, I've realized that you can't learn by mm-hmm. getting yelled at, you know, and not that I was yelling at anybody, but you can't learn by just me like going, go, 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 go. Yeah. And not saying I still don't do some of that. Um, Harry taught me to slow down, you just slow down and observe and, and really pay attention to what, like, what's the high part of that person's skill level that I can put them on something in a different situation that may work better for them, for them to have some kind of success. But I also have guys that come and it's that they're good and I end up with bad weather days and we still don't get them. And I still am frustrated. Um, fishing is fishing at the end of the day, but guiding and trying to get results on it every single time, mm. it's just not, it's not feasible. And mm-hmm. that took me a long time to learn that, uh, you're not going to catch them every day. You know, mm-hmm. I just would always think if I had this guy, I would get them. And then I would get those guys and I still didn't get them on some, on some yeah, days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's just tough in that aspect. Let's, let's talk about something that you said that I've, I've talked to Harry about too, just, you know, hearing his thoughts on things about, you know, figuring out that high point in somebody in, in a lot of ways, like in watching sports, if you have a quarterback who can't run, then you build a strategy around that. Or if you have a quarterback that can run, right. you build a strategy. And just the reality that some people have uh, more experience or better eyes. Some people can cast better. Some people handle pressure better. Some people can listen better under pressure. There's all of these variables that you're dealing with. And at the end of the day, um, being able to have an approach that fits that person makes a lot of sense because that's how everything works elsewhere. You know, How's that been for you like – Kind of talk to me about a little bit more about kind of your thoughts on that. Um, I think that uh, once you fish with somebody repetitive times, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of figure out their strong suit and you're also helping them at the same time try to get better at what they're weaker on. And I've watched that work very many times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, not out of question for anybody to get one on any kind of scenario but some guys are just better at seeing them and Mm -hmm. some guys are better at casting even if i'm just directing them to the fish um then you have guys that can do it all but my approach on it is now that uh 
I start with a new client and I want them just to get on the bow and throw the rod around a little bit. Until, and I think I might have said this same thing on my first time with you, but once I see somebody cast just a few times on the bow, I already know what I'm up against. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I may just pick up and move, you know, mm-hmm. and leave and, and go somewhere where I think I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a big difference in somebody who can cast 80 feet of line and somebody who can cast 30 feet of line. I can catch them at 15 feet. But if I don't have, you know, the guy that can catch them at 80 feet, then we have no reason in even being where we're at. You mm-hmm. know, we need to go somewhere where we can do it. And uh, it's just, it's different being out there with different people all the time, but it's easier when you have rip repeat guys yeah you learn together and you figure out the strong suit and that's where i make my living at is repeat guys i still take on new ones but it's just a lot easier world you know for me on my end you know you're gonna have more success that way that makes total sense man there's so many things like that the longer you work together the more time you spend together the higher success and that's that's why part of why so many of us love fishing with our friends one they're our friends and so we get a you know have that connection point we get to have those conversations that we want to have with the people in our life but also it gets really easy because it's like when your friend comes on your boat and it's time to anchor a boat and he just he knows where the anchor is he knows how you how you want it anchored like all those types of things matter and even thinking about what you were saying about you know you don't yell at guides but just or yell at people on your boat but you know you're learning how to talk to them and that's something that I think that successful guides from my experience seem to have a lot of you know have actually a lot of emphasis in how do I talk and approach my clients? I heard a study the other day that was talking about they had two sets of kids and they had um, one where they were encouraging them for their success and then one where they were encouraging them actually for their effort and for the kids who were, I'm going to synopsize this a lot, but the kids who were encouraged for their effort, you know, and you would identify where they were putting forth the right effort actually ended up having more success in the preceding test. Right. Because, you know, that's how you can keep somebody kind of engaged in what they're doing is keeping them focused on, you know, putting forth the effort, paying attention, being coachable, those types of things. For you, tell me if I was on the boat with you four or five years ago and if I was on the boat with you today, how would my experience be different? Experience be different because I slowed down a lot. Mm-hmm. I slowed down and... Um, what does that mean though like i i I slowed down my approach in many ways i slowed down on my physical approach as far as how fast i pulled Mm -hmm. um in years past i had so many places that i wanted to be at one particular time that i would speed pull basically you know and just i'd pull fast i could because I was going to see them ahead of them anyway most of the time Mm -hmm. so i mean i i knew spots that i'd been over and over again that I would slow down at and fish and now I just kind of have learned to creep a lot. I don't get me wrong. I get in a hurry sometimes still, but I've, I, I creep because I was missing a lot. You know, I used to blow out a lot of fish that if I would have just been a second slower, you know, we would have saw them in time. Um, they're not always just sitting right where you want them to be, but you might be 30 seconds late and they, and they will be there, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, I think slowing down for me has been, it's been kind of a key factor in catching more and getting more shots. Yeah. Um, also slowing down. Like I've, I've slowed down in my whole process of worrying about like next week, next week, next week. And that's been because I've had some success and I've got a lot of clientele now. Um, but I used to just worry myself to death about who was next week, who was mm-hmm. next week. So now I have more time for things because my mind is not just running astray, going through my phone, trying to figure out what's next week because like I was saying prior, you know, guiding for a living, you're worried about next week. You know, mm-hmm. there's no set days. There's no saying anything. I mean, but once you cross a certain threshold of it, it becomes a little easier, a little more comfortable is would, would be the word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it, it's just a different ball game um, being out there every single day and on, on the water thinking about tomorrow already or thinking mm-hmm. about the next day, thinking about the next day kind of makes your mind get, a little off of what you're trying to do at the mm-hmm. moment and uh, slowing down from that, you know, slowing down from that, not worrying about, I used to worry about the weather so bad. I still worry about the weather, but now I see bad weather five days out. It doesn't bother me. I'm not calling to cancel anybody. I'll just wait until we get a little closer, but yeah. I've seen it switch so many times that I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting some age now. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just not worried about stuff as much, but 
done it over and over and over again. Yeah, there's this idea of cognitive load, like how much can you even carry in your brain? And you start forgetting other things. You start forgetting other things. You start, uh, you know, it's just like any type of power source. You know, you give a bunch of power to this thing that you can't even change, right. that they can't even predict, like weather, that you're not giving the focus on what can I actually do today? Like it's just we all are limited human beings. So that makes a lot of sense to slow that process down. And one of the things that I've noticed with a couple guys that I fished with, like I've had moments where I was really excited to fish with somebody and I know that they're a respected angler. And so I, in my mind early on, I would get nervous because I'm like, am I going to look bad in front of them? If I'm on the pulling platform, am I going to be messing up their approach out? You know, whatever, just kind of that little bit of nervousness of being around people who you do respect and you know, been doing it a long time. And then I started realizing with a lot of them, they're way more chill on the bow especially when they're on the bow that doesn't mean they're not focused it just means that like they're they're comfortable i think is really more of what it what it is but tell me about having guys like carter and harry and david on the bow what what do you see there as them as anglers that maybe you're trying to pick up in yourself and it doesn't have to just be them it could just be anybody um i guess uh i guess i have to back up and look at you know, when you look at guys like two guys who I really look up to is Jeff Legutke and mm-hmm. and David, and um, they're kind of two different fishing styles altogether, mm-hmm. but they've been very successful. So I've tried to kind of just observe, you know, what they were doing and 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 how they were doing it, and not copycat by any means, but just like think on all levels. How did they get to that point? You know, mm-hmm. where where it it became like that and they had that presence and um i've took in a lot from whether whether they know that or not when they've been with me um Mm -hmm. i've took in a lot of what they said i've i've learned a great deal um and like i said they're both two different characters and they know each other and they're friends Mm -hmm. but um those two guys have been pretty in you know they've been in the top you know for for quite some time as far as uh the fly fishing world and I mean, we all can say what we want to about it, but it's nowadays it's about the social media game as far as as far as the fly fishing guiding world. You know, like it's the old world of um, you know word of mouth. It's still out there in a sense, but you look who's on top right now, and then look at their Instagram. I mean, you're gonna know who's on top based off of that, and it's mm-hmm. a sad world. I hate that. I hate that it's like that, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. You know, and I just tried to not copy what they were doing on there, but try to model what they were doing and try to figure out my own craft and what I could do to maybe change it on what I was doing. And I don't always have the tools to do what David Maynum does with his camera, you know, and all that. I just, I'm just a fishing guide, mm-hmm. you know, but David's presence is, um, it's very, very strong, his presence. I'll put it that way. He gets to the point very quickly. Um, and he he taught me some things about tarpon that I didn't ever think about. I would have never thought about, mm-hmm. um, when Jeff was up here, Jeff taught me casting styles that I had never seen anybody do before, uh, mm-hmm. ways of getting it, ways of beating the wind and ways of doing things that, I mean, I think that you're always having to grow doing this the whole time, but like that was a huge advantage for me just those days mm-hmm. with those two guys. And, um, the fact that they gave me the time of all the people that would, would fish with them, it was just a great thing for me, and it's mm-hmm. it's still a great thing. And and Carter Carter's been beyond good to me. Um, he's gave me plenty of work. Um, it's been a good relationship with Carter. Whenever he's around, we go eat dinner, we go do everything. Uh, he invited us to his house. I mean, it's just a humbling thing just to have these guys at at my hand. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's the right way to put it or not, but it's it's been a great thing just to have them, um, you know, a phone call away, basically, mm-hmm. um, kind of looking out for, it just makes me feel like maybe I crossed a, a certain tier, you know, mm-hmm. at some point. And I think that everybody has to have a little bit of self-confidence mm-hmm. about themselves or what's the point, yeah. you know, I was actually listening to something today and they were talking about the power of just asking right? and how you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. But the idea behind it and the principle behind it is, that most people are just unwilling to ask. And what I learned, you know, because I've had people ask me about the podcast because my background was I wasn't connected to really 
hardly any of the people that people, you know, people might think. And, um, my dad's been hunting and fishing his whole life and he worked for FWC and he guides now, but he's not, he's not by any means an influencer. He's not super connected to that world. He had never been to ICAST. He will, you know, doesn't have a big social media or anything, but you know, so people say, how did you get started? You know, how did you get that opportunity? And the, the simple truth was I asked it's beyond that because there's also asking the right way and having the right spirit and respecting people and being willing for people to say no and have their reasons. But I think too, like if you're listening to this and you're maybe wanting to learn things from people, you know, don't be afraid to ask. And if you want to sometimes, and and don't get offended if the answer is no, I think that's a big part too. Like if you're, you know, you're at some sort of, you know, event and you ask somebody to come fish with you and they say, no, don't take it all personal and get all offended, but just realize that, you know, it's the, it's almost the same principle as you can't catch them here. You know I mean? You can't catch any redfish here. So, but if we go out and give it a shot, maybe we will, maybe we right, won't. Right. It's the same in life. And, and I think that you've done that well of just trying to put yourself around good people and trying to say yes to the right things and trying to ask for things that you think will be helpful. And, um, it's a, it's a good approach. And I've learned that those guys are often, you know, most people really are, if, if you have the right spirit to learn, they're often, they often have a desire to teach. You right, know? right. And back to the word of mouth thing on social media too. I think that it's, it's not a, it's, it's, it's not that there's word of mouth and there's Instagram. It's just that word of mouth looks, and we got some rain coming yeah, in, here. which is, which is totally fine, but that it, lo- it actually looks different because you know, people are still talking about this guy you should consider. And then people are just using Instagram almost like a a web page or whatever it may be. Um, So I think that's a big part of it. And so you're just embracing like the word of mouth still there, but also it's absolutely still alive. Yeah. yeah. There is, there is definitely a word of mouth um, way of getting clientele and getting the right guys. But if people tell me you should fish with Trey and you should fish with Jim Bob. And so I've heard word of mouth that you're legit. And then I see some things that would encourage me. Oh, wow. That does look like a beautiful setting. Wow. Like I see him handling the fish with care whatever. That's going to just, I'm going to go with what I see and hear. And that's the thing is like people here all the time. You should fish with this guy. You should fish with this guy. So I think it all works together. Oh, I, um, I, I've always put it in this way. I I tell this to my clients all the time. Um, it's, it's a sad thing, but in today's world, the best content wins. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's it. That's that's point blank. Um, the word of mouth may bring in a small percentage at that point, mm-hmm. and only the percentage of that is because credible people told that. You know, they passed on that you may want to go do with this, and then mm-hmm. they hold weight of their own. You know, somebody who is uh, like like Jeff or David, for instance, if they if they tell one of their clients you need to go fish, which has happened, uh, you need to go fish with Trey. Well they don't even go to the source of Instagram anymore. They yeah. just go, they just come here. And so that's where it's still alive in a way. Mm-hmm. But the guy that's Joe Blow from Montana or wherever out West that, yeah. that narrows it down that he wants to come catch a redfish somewhere in Florida, or they're coming here for whatever. And they want to, you know, burn a day of their time. Um, the best content's going to win. You know, mm-hmm. when you, when you look it up, you know, and you look up nature coast and you look up fly fishing here. I mean, um, you start going through stuff like I pull one handed every single day for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that's because I, I video with the other hand and mm-hmm. I've built my whole business on that. It's been working for me very well. Mm-hmm. And that's where I come up with the whole philosophy of what I just said about, mm-hmm. you know, about the, the whole social media versus the word of mouth. Uh, I think that the word of mouth is only as good as the people who are telling it. Yeah. That's a good, you know? that's a good way to put it. I do. I do agree with that. And there's this idea of what's called a false dichotomy. It's like, you know, it's not either or, it can be both and. But what you're saying is, and I agree with this for, especially for young guys, man, you need to be able to find a way to responsibly show what you're doing. So that yep. people, cause there's a lot of, everybody complains about how many it's guys a show me, and how it, many. It's yeah. a show me world, you know, yeah. there's, there's too many other people out there gonna, gonna, gonna show them something, mm-hmm. you know, and it might even, might even not be what they want to see, but the best is going to be the best, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's I, I put it this way. Let's just say, for instance, I'm going to some random town uh, that's on the coast and I go into a fly shop and there's 25 business cards of fly fishing guides at this shop. Every single one of them is going to say he's the best. 
you know, or even even talk bad about another one. Mm-hmm. If you told them the phone, well, it's a Pixar, it didn't happen type deal at that point. And mm-hmm. like I said, I, I don't agree with that. That's sad, but it is the way it is. So if I get on Instagram and all of a sudden I'm looking these guys up, the guy who's posting the best stuff, he's posting the best videos, like showing how easy it can be, which it's not. Yeah. Um, you make it look like that, but that goes back to the best content wins. I'm more likely to get on that guy's boat who's posting beautiful pictures of fish or posting really cool videos than I am a guy who hasn't posted since 2017. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the way of the world. Yeah. Let's talk about this because I, because, you know, just kind of thinking about, you know, we were sitting a year and a half ago. We fished together, had a lot of fun, and, sitting here now and i was joking with you when i pulled up i was like you made some upgrades you know you had the you know you got the mule out there and you know it's and i love seeing that man because i people that i have relationships with i want to see them win man i want to be an advocate for them in life and i you know and i i think it's such a miserable way to live to be worried about other people's success and i feel sorry for people who yep consume themselves with consume themselves with that gosh it's just a terrible way to live and uh but you had you know you had some waders and decoys and stuff and i was airing my dog out here and um we were just talking about duck hunting and you were talking about how you're learning a lot there you're kind of you're newer in that scene and so i'm curious for you because that's let's let's tie this to to not that older people don't learn but dude when you're young man you're just it feels like all you're doing is you know you have this kid and you're like you know how do you change a diaper how do you how do you do X, Y, Z? You're learning all this stuff and then you're learning about your own fishery and you're learning about your own interest. And it just feels like it's an exciting time, but you know, there's just, it feels like you're, you know, I had to learn about home insurance and you know I mean? Oh, oh yeah. You dude, know, there's so everything. much stuff I still don't even yeah, know about. Yeah. Like, and so for you with this fun thing that you're enjoying, how is that kind of affecting you as a person and maybe as a guide with learning duck hunting? Um, I'll be the first to say right here on record. Um, I do not know hardly anything about duck hunting other than I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best friends, Ryan, uh, he's a fanatic about it. He's been doing it for his whole life. Um, he knows how to pattern them. He knows everything. Um, mm-hmm. so that's been a great asset for me on getting to shoot some birds, but I also learned very quickly because I've been in the woods and water my whole life. I know how to hunt game. I know how to find stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, just intriguing as hell to me about those ducks about the things they do and the migration um of them and all the different species and like i don't know um i'm not consumed by it by any means because i don't have time to be consumed by anything else but i do love to go um i also love that it it's not an all-day affair at the same time i still can go duck hunt in the morning go fish Mm -hmm. but it's uh it's just gave me something to kind of learn not that I wasn't still learning about the fishing. I still am learning about the fishing out there yeah. every day, but it's just something different. Um, it's just, it's something that I haven't grasped. I, if, if I were to go by myself tomorrow, sure, I might see some, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. even know what I was doing still. I mean, and I like that part of it. I like that it's still unknown to me. Yeah. I like that I haven't been there yet, you yeah. know, to that. That makes total sense. I've seen a connection, too, with a lot of fishing guides in particular who love to hunt because it's some sort of outlet for them or it's like they still love fishing so it's not that being a guide makes them love fishing less right but doing something where you're not the guide right right. is maybe in some way works in a a feedback circle that reminds you of what it's like to be the guy on the bow or you know definitely in a way with your duck hunting you're Ryan's on the pulling platform and you're on the bow. Yeah, I'll put it this way. He definitely shoots most of the birds whenever they come in there. Like, yeah. And I'm getting better at it. I mean, I've shot guns and shot birds, shot mm-hmm. doves and, and quail and whatnot my whole life. But it's it's a different ball game with something that's uh, flying in there at 40 miles an hour. You know, and it's low light and uh, swat, swatting mosquitoes and swatting sand gnats. And then, you know, that one second that you're not ready, that's all it takes. And it's just, it's rare. It's it's pretty relative you know to to my style of fishing in a way that that it's a right now sense of urgency type ball Mm -hmm. game like one second or not not seeing the fish in time is all it takes to to not get that shot and or if you were to get there on time it's all it's all good you know we Mm -hmm. got them 
and I like that it's hard like that it's it uh it makes it a challenge it's definitely a challenging thing I'm sure on on his side Ryan's side I'm sure that it's not nearly how I think about it it's mm. just a breeze you know but I also like to watch him and see that uh he can't find the birds sometimes and he can't find them I'm like it, at least at least it's like that you know yeah. at least it's not an everyday thing because then it wouldn't be as fun you know yeah it's the same in fishing when you see somebody who's a great angler mess a shot up and you're oh like, yeah oh, i'm like thank god i, I joke thank I god joke. it was him not me yeah i was uh training training my dog uh on quail with the guy that i actually got the dog from is he's known me my whole life he runs a plantation up in thomasville and we were doing some drills on some birds that have been released out of a callback pen and um you know I had missed a quail, which I'm not a great, I'm not a great, I missed plenty of things that I shoot at. I'm not a great shot by any means. I'm not terrible and I'm not great. And that's same here. But, uh, but I had missed one and he was giving me a hard time about it. Well, 30 minutes later, he missed one and I just thanked him. I just said, thank you for that. You know, just joking with him. Cause you know, everybody's human. Um, but it is, I, I've always enjoyed and have kind of got comfortable with being the novice. Yeah. And, um, I've just, I've seen that cripple people, you know, they really want to get into fly fishing, but they just can't stand the idea of hooking themselves in the back in front of a guide. And so they never learn it. Yeah. I mean, at some point you got to just drop that out of your mind and go on with it. Uh, nothing happens overnight. I preach that every day. Mm -hmm. Like somebody just can't, and people have good and bad days. I've had guys that I have smoked them with. And then the next time we go, it's like. I don't know what happened. Like, mm -hmm. it's just a night and day difference. It's that way with myself, too. The only days that sometimes I get to get up front, I have, I have some uh, clients that once we catch a couple, they'll they'll pull me to one or two. And it's just like, what am I doing? Have I done this before? Or yeah. then I think, well, man, it's been about a month and a half since I've been up here. So yeah. we're going to dial it back in. And then there's <laughs> days where it's been even longer than that. And I get up yeah. there and I'm just like dropping dimes every single one of them. I think we all just have ups and downs, bad days, good days. It's definitely a mental thing of who you're with. Um, mm -hmm. I've had guys tell me before that they had never been nervous ever to fish with anybody until they fished with me. And I'm just like, why are, you know, mm -hmm. why, why are you like that? And then I think about it, like when I fished with Jeff for the first time and when I fished with David for the first time, I was as nervous about making it worth their while to even come here. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted it so bad for them. And luckily we you fish with good anglers you you're gonna have good results you know mm -hmm. those guys can do it uh, but i definitely get the mental aspect that people have about wanting to be a uh they want to be good for whoever they're with you know mm -hmm. and if if they're not to that level of skill then it's even worse on them the nerves even create worse habits yeah absolutely i've seen too um you know i think just for me like that that one of the things that they do in sports is they teach you visualization. And so the importance of being able to visualize yourself having success and the importance of being able to have confidence. One of the things that I, when I'm confident, I cast better, right? I spot fish better and I'm responsible for my own confidence, but the person I'm fishing with can, if I'm gelling with them, I feel more confident and comfortable. If I'm not gelling with them, I feel more tense and nervous. If I have things going on off water that distract me, I fish worse. And so I think that those are the types of things that, you know, as a guide, you're trying to figure out how do I make this person comfortable and confident because they're going to, they're going to fish better. Like, and you know, that's, that's what the, the intersection between sport and guiding in my mind right. is that you're, you're coaching as much as you're doing anything else. And you know, you got to know the people that you're going to be firm with and you got to know the people that, you know, and it's kind of the principle of you have a soft side of a hand and a hard side of the hand. You got to know the soft that's put very well. hard, that's you put know, very well. um, tell me about what you're learning kind of, you have a lot of things going on in your life too. You know, your kid's getting older. You've just went through you. Uh, is it right to say lost your house due to the hurricane? I, I didn't lose it. Um, I, I, got like 26 inches of water inside yeah uh, it was just been a process of um putting it all back together tearing it out putting it all back together i've been so blessed i had um some clients that 
own a restoration business mm-hmm. uh, down in South Florida. They were here the day after. They helped me get everything out. I said they helped me. That I, I didn't do anything. I just mm-hmm. stepped aside and let them do it all, and I yeah. went back to work. Um, I mean, that went a long way for me. And um, then I've also got, you know, clients who helped me. And, you know, I don't know if I should even say in this or not, but they helped me cover my bills. I was behind for, you know, mm-hmm. anybody who guides knows if you lose like two weeks time, like mm-hmm. there's only 52 of them in the year. And there's only so many of them that have good enough weather to be able to fish, mm-hmm. you know, sight fishing aspect of it. And um, I'm just so blessed to have that on my, yeah. you know, on my back to have. And it's uh, that's only been because it made me feel good in the way that I had done right by people enough that they felt like it was worth them to help me out, you know, because there's a lot of places you can send your money to. Mm. And, um, my house, it was the first time I had ever had something like that happen to me in my life that I owned. That was, it was not destroyed, but it was not livable anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, we didn't lose anything. I mean, I prepped and all that, but, having them come back up here the next day and tear everything out and do all that. And then I had another friend of mine that he, um, he basically is a a contractor. Mm -hmm. He came up and he helped me pretty much fix it all. Yeah. Basically. And, uh, now I'm just waiting on the insurance check. Well, which I think a lot of people are still waiting on their insurance checks, Sure, but biting off into another house on top of that and having two mortgages it's just you know life stacks up on you and i've had stuff like this happen to me before and i don't know i'll get through it you know i've i've learned in a little bit of age to just roll on with it like what are you gonna do but keep grinding Mm -hmm. i mean you can't dig the hole but so deep at some point yeah you got to come out of it and I've learned in life that those really hard, uncomfortable moments for me have been the ones that I think I've grown the most. Oh, for sure. For sure. I feel like I've, I've changed as a person since, since the storm. And, um, I don't even like to put it that, that I was affected that bad by the storm because what I have is so mediocre on the scale of what happened to other people. You know, people lost everything they had. I still have all my things. I had a little bit of pain in the ass of putting it all back together and going through some money and all that and of of making all that process happen but i didn't lose everything um Mm. so i'm not ever going to be selfish or greedy or whatever the word may be about Mm. about all that um it could have been so much worse for me yeah and there's a phrase i learned recently and i wrote about this um i was talking about how there was a kid in our church who passed away at you know i mean he was in elementary school this a couple weeks ago and we were dealing with some pretty minor health stuff with one of my daughters. And I had told this older guy in the church, I said, man, I almost feel bad for, for feeling the way I feel about my own stuff because of everything that happened with this other kid. And he said something, and I, I wrote it down, and I've been kind of writing down this type of stuff over the years. And he said, every man's mountain is his own. And what he means by that is, you know, that at the end of the day, you can have gratitude for the blessings that you have and the opportunities you get, or maybe the things that you avoid. But at the same time, like, yeah, somebody, people lost their houses, people lost loved ones, people lost a lot more, but yet it's still your mountain, you know? I mean, it's still, and so like, you're not trying It's still a setback. Yeah, and you're not trying to compare, but it's not a contest either. And so um, it's cool to hear you take something that could have been you know, just this super downtime in your life or just super discouraging thing and use it as a catalyst to growth. How do you, how do you feel like it affects you on the water? I mean, you said you changed as a person. Does it, does it bleed into your fishing? No, it doesn't bleed into my fishing. Um, I try to separate things in a way like I got to overcome one little battle at a time. I can't let something get my fishing. Um, I have to be on my game out there doing what I do. It's not like we're just drowning a shrimp or drowning a piece of cut mullet and then, yep. and we're waiting around and I got time to be on my phone. Like I am the guy on the back. I am the eyes. I am the one who moves the boat. I am the one who knows when we need to be where and where we need to be according to all the variables that go in every day. If you get off your game on that, then you're not going to have much success mm-hmm. and not have much success in a repeated fashion leads to not having 
success basically yeah. i mean it's it's you're not going to have the guys get on your boat anymore you know if you're not catching them mm-hmm. uh, i've had things that you know in in the past years like something going on that was bothering me off the water and i've let it consume me all day and i've been on my phone not doing my job like or just being half-assed about it and i had half-assed results or no results mm-hmm. and so i've tried to just block things out and we got to face it we're all humans there's stuff that's going to bother us off of our job mm-hmm. something in our, something in your family my daughter being sick or me being worried about getting sick when I got guys coming from out of state for five or six days at a time, you know, like just the little things that didn't bother me before are just, Mm -hmm. they magnify now, you know? Yeah. How, how do you feel like as you get older with managing your emotions and anxieties, how have you tried to work through that? Cause I know that's a, I've tried to simplify everything. Um, that's why I'm down here. That's why I live 200 yards away from the ramp. Um, mm-hmm. I've tried to make everything to where if, because if something's going to happen, it will happen eventually. And the more money I got in my pocket to be able to fix my mistake, like breaking a lower unit or something like that. Like for instance, breaking a lower unit, if you only had one boat, it's a catastrophic thing. Like if you're trying to make a living guiding, you yeah. know, having two is good, but then you got it on you like, if I don't make enough money here pretty quick to buy this other lower unit, then something else happens to this. What am I going to do then? You yeah. Know? And then all of a sudden, before you know it, the the payments due, and then, you know, something else or Christmas is coming or whatever, you know, it all yeah. just, it, it just is a such a fast process for me now. Like the days are shorter, it seems all mm-hmm. the time. Like time just flies, flies, flies. Absolutely. Let's talk about boats for a moment because when I fished with you, you didn't have a Spears. No. I had a Spears Everglades. That's right. And now you have an Everglades and a Legend. That's right. Right. So you got your your Everglades. That's like seventeen six, and then you got your your Legend. That's sixteen. It's like sixteen four, I think. Four. Maybe so, give or take. They like feel that. like two very different boats in the sense of absolutely. You know, one feels good with three, and one does not. You know, for sure. I've, I've I ran three out of the sixteen, and it, it it's doable. But yeah. uh, you got to have the right people. You got to sure. have the right guys. Yeah. You can't have two Carter Andrews in a sixteen. Yeah, and you got to have people who know how to like, you know, get around a skip. You know how you yeah. have the third guy, and you're like, hey, stand in the middle. Yeah, well, stand like, in the middle. Or a guy know? just wants to like, you know, stand with one foot up on the on the gunnel like he's Captain Morgan or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, hey man, if you don't mind, you know, can you just get like centered up a little bit you're killing yeah. me yeah like, you're making it way this harder this thing pulls so straight but it's wanting to hook right now yeah but you know those you know we were talking and i think you know you're you're pretty hard on the bottom of a boat you're you're up there and hard hard on the bottom of the boat type people but just tell me about how those two boats have been how you're how you're using them that type of versatility all that well when i was uh when i was getting my first skiff built with harry um he came down and he was um he was meeting somebody and he, and he needed to park a boat around here for a, like just a night or two. So I let him park it at my house and he looked at both of my skiffs that I had at the time and he looked at the bottom of them and he stood up and he was shaking his head and he's like, holy shit, man. He's like, I'm glad I looked at these. That way I know what I need to do. And you might have some extra layers, everything like, you know, things are built separately off the bottom of the hole, like the straights and all that. That way, you know, there's, like I said this in the first podcast, but it's hard to put a hole in one you know, unless you're under power and you hit something like that, but, yeah, but yeah. polling and all that, it sounds bad. Don't get me wrong. It sounds bad. But him seeing that was a big advantage for me because he could have built it a little bit lighter and they're still really light, but having the extra in there, I mean, it's just something else for me to go through. I don't even look at the bottom. I don't like to look at it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, wow, man, maybe I should do something about that pretty soon. So I know you have two because you like to have a backup, but also like, how are you thinking through the I, strategy on them? I got, uh, I got the second one. I got the Everglades, not only for the fact I needed two, but I got it mainly to, mainly to go out tarpon season and to take two people mm-hmm. because I didn't always have the right size guys to go to take two out of my 16. Mm-hmm. It can handle it, but also at the same time, if I just have one guy and I see that I have you know, so win that day and I may be wanting to run somewhere a little farther, my Everglades just soaks it up. It's a, it's a yeah. really, really bone dry skiff. I mean, it, you, you have to really do something, you know, hard to get wet in it. You know, mm-hmm. it likes all angles and my 16, it runs good going dead into it or, or going with it, but side angle, it, it's not the same boat. There are two different holes. You know, you're talking yeah. about a, a skiff that weighs 400 pounds versus one that weighs 250 and 
you know, it's probably a foot narrower, two feet shorter. Yeah. It's not, but it also has, it has ways that it shines. One shines over the other one, you know, in yeah. different ways all the time. Uh, if I had to pick one of the two to keep and get rid of the other one, I would definitely keep the Everglades because yeah. they both float about the same, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit more on the pole. Yeah. Like, and Harry, Harry's, you know, told me he's got some things he's working on, but he's most proud of the Everglades. Like that's it's one a, that he's, it's a killer skiff. Yeah. That's it's the one he's, he's most proud of. And, um, he's got one called the gyra that is yeah. like, I, I filmed a video of that for him where it's literally ankle deep, but like people talk about ankle deep. Like it's, it's floating four inches in right, the video right. and my buddy who's you can see the water at his ankle as harry pulls by with his dog on the front you see him pet the dog just to show it's not any of that you know the deer hunters like to be like they're like 18 feet in the background like right 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 <laughs> you know it's not like that and so yeah i i, I was curious kind of how you, how you like running the boats and some people have you know they'll have two motors so they can swap out but that's its whole, whole process and if i could afford to do that i would have some sitting down there right now um there's a lot of things that I uh, need to have. Having two is a big leap for me, anyway. Yeah, you know, and um, having Harry and having Harry like as as a friend and and the help he's given me and helping me get these gifts and build them the way that I wanted them built. Uh, not that he would have done much different. He loves building for me because they're simple. I don't mm-hmm. want any kind of latches. I don't want anything like that. So easy build for him, mm-hmm. and he loves to come fishing with me at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it he's been a really big asset for me and uh, I won't get into all the ways that Harry's helped me out along the build ways and all that. But without him, things would have been a lot harder for mm-hmm. me to be able to get both those gifts. Yeah. Um, he, he has a long list of people wanting them. Yeah. No, the great boats, man. So we were talking some about, you, you know, when we were coming up here, you're t- just joking about, you know, your kid tearing everything up, which, yeah. you know, I, I totally understand. And, and I, I want, I want to be honest with you. I have to remind myself, like, man, you know, there's gonna be a day where I'm gonna be just crying because I wish my kid was still in my house tearing things up, you know, because they're gonna be off, and you only get so long with this little moment. And uh, when I, I try to, you know, when your kid asks you to read a second book to him, and you're like, oh, I just want to just freaking lay down dude and then you go man there's gonna be a day where i would do anything yep to read that second book i try to remember that how's all that going with like i know you like to keep your family outside what does your outdoor activity and lifestyle look like with your family um oh you seen i have that Polaris ranger down there man honestly we just go ride i mean Mm -hmm. right out my back door right here we got thirty thousand acres um it's a big hunting club we're part of and i don't even get in there to hunt um we get in there just to go ride in the woods. Mm-hmm. Just you can't ride the whole thing in one day. And um, she likes to look at deer. She'll see a deer ahead of most people right now at two. Uh, I try to just keep her outside and just it's it's so pure out here, you know that she doesn't know a lot about daycare or the outside world. I'm not downplaying any of that for yeah. anybody who doesn't have that. But I'm saying I'm just fortunate that it it hasn't came to that yet, you know. And mm-hmm. um, she loves being outside she equally loves being inside she's a kid she doesn't know what she wants yeah you know but <laughs> she's forced to right now she doesn't but she doesn't she doesn't get upset about you know being in the woods mm-hmm. she loves every mud puddle she sees we can't go to the boat ramp anymore because she wants to walk into the boat ramp yeah um, yeah it just walks until she goes under and it's crazy it can um, be a little slippery yeah it can be yeah. a little slippery but um anyway it's it's been a fun ride so far with her. I hope it gets better, but I'm with you on the aspect that it's, it's going to come a time where I would have wished I would have done something yeah. else. I don't think that there's anybody out there who can't say they wish they would have done something a little bit differently, you know, yeah. raising their children. Uh, I've always kind of tried to, I, I grew up with a very strong house. Of, I mean, my, my mom and dad were there every single day of my life. Um, I've always tried to gain what I learned from them and put it, put it into um practice basically mm-hmm. you know and uh, try to model myself a little bit on that way but also kind of create my own way because the world's changing yeah it's not the same world as it was back when i was a kid in the 90s you know mm-hmm. or all through the 2000s it's just different it's changing all the time it's a cruel world out there not that it hasn't always been but it's it's getting crazy 
Yeah. And I I just worry about, you know, the hardship she's going to go through. Like, yet alone, you know, she'll fall down or something. And it just breaks my heart to see her crying because she scraped her knee up. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do whenever, you know, something happens at school or something like that? Mm-hmm. Never thought about that ever in my life, thinking that I would be worried about somebody like that, you yeah. know? Like, even my wife, she takes care of her own. She stays on my ass enough. She takes care of her own, yeah. you know. But my daughter, that's just different. You know, you're worried about every single thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a different thing to have going on in your life every single day. Yeah. I was real stressed about that because I was an only child. My parents had me a little bit later. Uh, and, um, you know, I just didn't spend a lot of time around kids because I grew up as a little kid in the middle of green swamp West, like right, right. surrounded by nothing. And then when I got older, I didn't spend that much time around little kids. Cause my parents, you know, their friends either had kids my age or were older and my cousins are all older and all that. And, um, so I didn't have a lot of experience. So when I, when I had my first kid, I was so stressed about it. And somebody told me something I thought was really good. He's like, they grow with you, you know, like you yeah, grow yeah. too. And, that's a cool part about it. Like you don't have to know how to handle a middle school bully when your kids too. You just got to learn how to handle the, yeah. the skim knee for now. Yeah. Um, yeah and that, that's a good way to put it. I mean, I don't know. She doesn't know. So I yeah. guess we find out together, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's just like fishing. I mean, it's like, you know, you were saying earlier to, to tie it into that every year you look back and you're like, man, I knew nothing. Last yeah, year. man. And it's, like, it's like that. I hope, sure. I hope for you, it feels that way every year. I hope so too. You know. I hope so too. Um, I, I don't think you can ever stop learning out there. Um, yeah. I think that the day that you think that you have mastered it, someone will surpass you mm-hmm. because there's always going to be somebody out there wanting to learn. Yeah. But what's the last thing is, you know, cause I hope to sit down with you every so often and every few years and you know, what are you hoping to learn or grow in the next two years? I'm hoping to, um, I don't know. I'm hoping to find ways to, uh, I'm hoping to find ways to refine my clientele even more so than I already have it. I've already came a long way in getting only fly guys. I've only been fly fishing solely for going on three years now, coming from five years prior of mixing a little bit of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I can just get it to where I minimize my clients down to maybe 25 in one year's time and I fish that many guys, some of them for a week at a time, some of them for two days at a time, maybe two days a month. Maybe, you know, but yeah. always repeat, guys. I'm going to have more success doing that than I am. Like I said, and I'm not opposed to taking new ones on because you always got to be looking for the next one. Mm-hmm. But if I can get it down to where I'm not getting as many new ones and I'm passing the new ones on down mm-hmm. to the two guys below me, mm-hmm. that would be the way that I want to do it. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning, we all want the best guys. We want the best fishermen. Mm-hmm. And I think at a certain time, you know, you pay your dues, you get those guys. Yeah. Well, man, it's been so good hanging out with you, having a second sitting with you, and um, look forward to, you know, spending more time together. But for I sure, appreciate man. It, man. Thank you so much for coming back. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Captain's Collective. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation together. Help us out by leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, and please continue to share with friends and family. Thanks for listening. This is the Captain's Collective.